Before we get to the cast proper this week, folks, Jamie and I just wanted to let you know our thoughts on the current situation in the United States. Uh, we're recording on the 24th of June, 2022, and mere hours ago, the Supreme Court in the United States of America overturned Roe versus Wade. That's the historic ruling that for the last 50 years has protected a woman's right to obtain a safe abortion. That's gone. It's snuffed out by Christian ideology and a fascist need to control what women can do with their bodies. While some states still provide safe abortions, many are poised to make it extremely difficult or borderline impossible to get a safe abortion. Now, I keep using that word safe when I'm talking here, and that's because this ruling will not reduce the number of abortions. It will reduce the number of safe abortions. The people behind this claim to be pro-life, but I guarantee you not one of them is pro-helping out these new mothers they are about to create. They're not pro-childcare, they're not pro-free healthcare, none of that. It's only about the ideology. They're not pro-protecting people against, for example, guns that killed 30 children in a school in Texas while the police waited an hour outside the classroom to go in. No, indeed. Uh, they are hypocrites and they must be opposed and brought down. Voting is not enough. They must be actively opposed. We can't do much here at The Giant Brain. We're in the UK, but we wanted you, our audience, to know our position on the matter. We'll provide links in the show notes to some of the organizations I've seen being shared around on Twitter of uh, organizations that you can support to help out with abortion rights and uh, with reproductive rights. And we'll continue to share that kind of thing over the next year or so in the cast where we see bits and pieces where we think you can help out we'll draw attention to it and we'll share those notes in the cast unite and organize if they will not listen to the people the people will make them listen I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams. And this is Brainwaves episode 101, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 27th of June, 2022. Backer Kit steps out of the shadows. Kickstarter appoints a community board. And the Diana Jones Award announces nominees. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Back in episode 95, we covered the opening up of crowdfunding site GameFound to the general public. This allowed everyone to finally use that platform to fund their projects and not just a few folk who were testing it out in its beta form. This made that platform a new rival to Kickstarter, and we've seen a few big projects go GameFound's way. The company has also attracted backing from the German behemoth that is Ravensburger Games. Well, now a new contender is entering the ring, well, more of a promoter, we guess, with an incredible card of fighters. For those of our listeners who have backed crowdfunding games, it is extremely likely that you have at some point filled out a backer kit form. Well, now backer kit is leaping into the ring and has announced that you will be able to run crowdfunding campaigns directly on their platform. Backerkit have lined up quite the set of companies taking their next campaign to this shiny new platform. Cephalofair announced they were taking their Gloomhaven Minis product to it the day the platform was announced. And amongst the slate of other companies are Monty Cook Games, an RPG publisher. Uh, their main project is the Cypher System. Restoration Games, who recently made over $4 million with their Return to the Dark Tower campaign on Kickstarter. Later Games, who made just under $1.5 million from ARCs on Kickstarter. 
and Greater Than Games, makers of my personal favourite co-op game, Spirit Island. They'll be taking a new Spirit Island expansion to Backer Kit later this year, we believe. Several of the other companies announced are involved in the world of tabletop, so it looks like this could be a big challenger not only to Kickstarter, but to GameFound as well. With seeing GameFound and BackerKit being set up as exclusively tabletop game-focused crowdfunding sites, it's good to have healthy competition. We don't like monopolies here, apart from Monopoly. I think BackerKit, some of the companies involved aren't exclusively tabletop game-related. Uh, but the majority of them certainly are that BackerKit have got on board. Uh, and BackerKit hasn't said that they are only about the games, but certainly they've launched with some very, very big voices okay. in the tabletop community there. Yeah, I agree with Jamie. Competition is good. It's good to see that kind of thing happening. And it means that Kickstarter is forced to improve look it. at itself and improve itself. And all these and GameFound will be doing the same. And BackerKit will be doing the same as it launches. I'm not sure if we'll end up with a sort of like crowdfunding format wars where things are exclusive on certain platforms, but then maybe the company goes to another platform to get more money for the same campaign and there's different exclusives there. We've certainly seen that kind of thing in the past and it does concern me slightly. But yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with Backkit when it launches later this year. My initial thoughts upon reading this was, are there going to be companies, for example, like you said, Ravensburger are very very big fans of GameFound. Is that going to be their exclusively funding on GameFound? And with BackerKit, are we going to get exclusively, say, Restoration Games now? Like, are they only going to fund on BackerKit? Or is there the possibility that maybe, you know, is it possible for one company to do three, two or even three crowdfunding campaigns on each plat, one on each platform? I mean, we certainly saw... We saw Dice, for instance, did that with their uh, app, and we've ser- seen a couple of companies do that. So yeah, I can imagine that might be possible. I'm, I'm not saying do it, because part yeah. of me is, I think it sounds quite dodgy, mm-hmm. but I also think I don't trust people. Uh, sticking with crowdfunding for a moment, over the last year we have covered Kickstarter quite a lot. Part of this is down to its dominant position in the way our games are made, but we have also been talking a lot about their blockchain plans and the anger that is listed from the tabletop community, who frankly want nothing to do with this technology, and for good reason. After all the furor earlier in the year over these plans, Kickstarter said it would create a community advisory council. From the article announcing the board... Our goal of the council is to bring together a diverse group of Kickstarter creators who can offer insight and expertise across a range of creative disciplines. These luminaries will help us identify issues, questions and opportunities we may not be able to see on our own and help us prioritise work that matters to them and their communities. There is a fairly diverse spread of creative types on the board, but the main reason we are covering it on this cast is that one of the members is Philip Reed, who is the current CEO of Steve Jackson Games. We'll link to the bios of the rest of the members, but there amongst them are musicians, technology folk, people who've been involved with all sorts of different scales of Kickstarter projects from multi-million dollar campaigns to smaller things altogether. From the Kickstarter statement, our first meeting with the council will take place at the end of this month. At that meeting, we'll focus on getting product feedback from the council to help us orient our roadmap for future development. I'm really looking forward to digging in with the council members to hear what they have to say and exploring their ideas for making Kickstarter the best it can be. 
just before we came on to record, a interview with uh, Reed and fellow board member Philomena Schwab went up on Dicebreaker. It's well worth a read. They cover the NFT elephant in the room, persuading Kickstarter to bring more attention to smaller projects, and some of the changes they would both like to see made to how backers interact with the platform after a successful campaign. Thanks to Corey on our Discord server for bringing that interview to our attention. I guess my thing with this uh, community council is it's a neat idea. I like the sentiment. Whether Kickstarter will actually listen to them or care about anything they have to say, I have absolutely no idea. They see every time they've brought up their blockchain plans, they seem to just be sort of barreling on ahead, if a wee bit slower after the backlash they initially received. Maybe that'll all come to an end, especially since if you've been paying attention to the world of blockchain and tech and tech a little bit, which I do from time to time, that side of technology is taking a bit of a hit right now in terms of its value to entrepreneurs. So we'll see if that actually ever becomes a thing. Just like to remind everyone that Kickstarter has not implemented blockchain technology at the moment, as far as we are aware. Anyway, Jamie, awards season is ready and raring to go, and one of the big ones is on the horizon. The important thing you've got to understand is award season never goes away. I thought it did, and then I realised how after about four years of this podcast, how often we bring up award news. So the 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 season is just the year. Yeah, it's just continuous. But you know, there are there are different categories and different I guess different types of awards, true. But the prestige involved in them is obviously very different. But one of the more unusual awards given out every year by the tabletop industry, of course, is the Diana Jones Award. It's a Perspex pyramid with a scrap of the Indiana Jones RPG that was created by TSR, the original TSR, back in the day, uh, in the mid-80s, and was so unpopular, it was recalled and destroyed apart from this central, like, title page, which was encased in a pyramid and is the Diana Jones Award. Now, if you remember, the Diana Jones Award itself was lost in the mail last year. So we don't know as such right now what is going to be replaced by. But I'm still going to continue the story. The award goes to excellence in gaming and has in the past gone to organisations, individuals and games that have fundamentally affected the tabletop hobby in a positive way. This year, the nominees are Across RPGC, a website and newsletter promoting Southeast Asian games. Ajit George, an activist advocating for a more representative hobby games industry. He has been involved with improving POC and LGBTQ plus representation at Big Bad Con and Gen Con. He helped get more POC and LGBTQ plus folk into positions at game companies and was most recently the project lead on the first D&D book written by people of colour, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, the first chapter of which is currently free on D&D Beyond. Not a sponsor, just letting you know. Haunted West, epic Weird West RPG with a focus on marginalised people, published by Darker Hue Studios. And Mothership, a space horror RPG fueled by its community of contributors, published by Tuesday Night Games. Now, congratulations to all these nominees. The award itself will be handed out at Gen Con this year, which runs from the 4th to the 7th of August. And yeah, I wonder what award they're going to give if Indeed, the Diana Jones Award is still lost. Now, Ian, I know out of all those nominees, you've got a bit of contention about Mothership, yes? 
Yeah, so I've I've been running some mothership recently. So mothership mothership is a it's a sci-fi horror RPG with sort of uh, old school role playing inflection. So it's got that sort of old school sort of Dungeons and Dragons style vibe to it. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So it's uh, it's in this case it's OSR is probably unfair, but that is probably what it would call itself. It, OSR is a particular movement within role playing games that harks back to early days of white box D and D. Games tend to be uh, quite like quite brutal in terms of character death and and life. And um, the systems tend to replicate that kind of feel from the sort of white box early days, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons period of game design. My issue is that I have run Mothership. I have seen two different versions of Mothership. The version that was put out during their Kickstarter campaign and the version that is currently in development after the Kickstarter campaign. They are extremely different games... They're quite different, and neither of them are complete. I had to go for the version that's currently in development, which you can get off the Mothership Discord. I had to go into the Discord to find out how Monsters worked. It is not currently in the book as written. Which is kind of fundamental in a horror RPG. You kind of want to know that stuff, right? I had to go and look. So, I'm not quite sure what the Dana Jones Award is awarding there i mean yes it's got an awesome community that's cool i mean they could recognize that great but the game itself is is incomplete it's not done well i guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with the diana jones award and i guess have to wait and see what happens with mothership but are you enjoying it so far just i know i realize that's a yeah i've been running dead planet which is one of the modules we're just about at the end of it uh i will probably move on to running something else it's been interesting and mothership certainly has some things to recommend it but it's just be aware that if you do pick up mothership in its current state you'll have to do a bit of like work okay then on with the rest of the news And sticking with Dungeons and Dragons and old school things for a moment, on our 100th episode, we've we've done 100 episodes by the way, did we mention that? We went into some detail about the allegations levelled at Dungeons and Dragons personalities Jameson, Stone and Satine Phoenix. This Dungeons and Dragons power couple have been accused of horrible behaviour towards collaborators on numerous projects. Loads of stories have been shared by folk who had worked with them after the ball was set rolling by Chad Rowe, a tattoo artist who had fallen foul of the couple. Uh, before I move on, we'd just like to correct a small error we made on episode 100. One of the group of people that shared a story about being mistreated by the couple uh, worked on Siren's Battle of the Bards, which is a live play show. Uh, we shared a thread from them in the show notes, but we forgot to mention them in the actual cast itself. That person was called Jessica Markram. We just forgot to mention her name last time amongst all the other news that was going on, so apologies for that. But we'll share her thread again in these show notes as well uh, jameson and satine attended origins game fair as these allegations were coming to light origins issued a statement shortly after the close of the con during origins a situation regarding our special guests jameson stone and satine phoenix developed with attendee safety as our highest priority staff assessed that there was no immediate risk of physical harm we continued to closely monitor the situation and proceeded with a modified schedule 
Origins Game Fair does not condone abuse in any form, and is committed to being a safe and inclusive festival for all. Sirenscape, a well-known sound effect studio for tabletop RPGs, has parted ways with the couple. Level Up Dice, Dungeons & Dragons in a Castle, and Jasper's Game Day all announced they would be splitting from the couple. At the moment, Wizards of the Coast, who has worked with Satine in the past, but I don't think Jameson, has declined to comment so far. Satine went on Instagram Live to issue a statement on the 16th of June and provided the notes she used during the stream for everyone to read. I have read through all of those notes, though at the moment I have not had time to watch the live stream. That is available on YouTube and we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, an article from comicbook.com, which we'll link to, listed a few more allegations and also revealed the information that Phoenix is being sued by some of her former collaborators on streaming network Maze Arcana, which folded in 2018. The lawsuit accuses Phoenix of taking £40,000 of money from the channel and transferring it to personal accounts. I'm pretty certain more is going to come out about this story as it keeps rolling. There's more revelations coming out, more more people coming forward or feeling they can now come forward. As I said in the piece there, I've read through all the notes that Phoenix made for her Instagram live stream. I honestly don't think she's sorry at all in any way or form. Basically, every apology part of her notes is then followed by... Uh, but so-and-so did this, or this happened, or this happened, or this happened. There's a lot of excuses and shifting blame and pushing other people under buses. There's no real forthright apology there uh, that I can see. Maybe someone else sees something different, but as far as I, I was concerned, it was a lot of finger-pointing and not very many apologies. In episode 94, we reported on the acquisition of Day by the Embracer Group. We followed this up in episode 100 with the announcement that Saudi Arabia, through the Savvy Gaming Group, had invested $1 billion in Embracer. This investment has rightly attracted a lot of attention and questions. And in response, Lars Vingefors, the CEO of Embracer, has issued a statement. From the start of that statement, which I will read. Since our announcement two days ago regarding the investment by Savvy Gaming Group, I've received many questions. I would like to share some background and to provide you with a rationale for our discussion. I would like to share some background and to provide with you a rationale for our decision. I understand and respect that there are different views on this topic. I don't claim to have the right answers, but I wanted to be clear that this decision was not taken lightly. I appreciate this opportunity to explain my view on why this investment is an important step for Embracer on our continued journey as a company. I want to be clear that Embracer will continue to be operated by me, our operative CEOs and management teams across the entire group. Embracer is built on the principles of freedom, inclusion, humanity and openness. The transaction with SGG, Savvy Gaming Group, will not change this in any way. Embracer is still controlled by the people working in our group. Together we control a significant majority of votes in the company. SGG will own slightly more than 5% of the votes and 8% of the capital, and they have invested in Embracer because they support our current vision, strategy and leadership, not to change it. Lars goes on to say that they are committed to high ethical standards at the company, but that Embracer is so large that there are few investors willing and able to put money into the company on a global scale. This investment will secure the future of the group. He also says that SGG have invested in other gaming companies around the world. 
Now, we've talked about this on episode 100. We had a little chat before we started recording. And it is very difficult to be an ethical consumer nowadays. You know, you, as you said, pick up a lot of, you know, almost anything you can find around you. And you will find bad eggs, let's say that. No, bad actors at some level of this. Yeah, you can do your best to consume as ethically as you can. But in the end, there's the structure of companies is such that it's very hard to sometimes untangle who owns what and who invests in what and where the money is coming from. Yes, I, we, I mean, Jamie and I both agree Saudi Arabia are awful, terrible place, lots of human rights violations. And yes, there are, is concerns that Asma Day may take some of that money, but how do you know? <laughs> Basically, how... How do you consume ethically in a world that is so interconnected now? It's incredibly difficult. And should it stop you enjoying the thing you enjoy? I, I, I don't know. There's, there's incredibly hard questions to answer there. It's, it's great the world is interconnected, but it does mean that there are these quandaries that will come up and you will have to wrestle with, wrestle with them. You'll have to wrestle with them uh, on your own terms. I'm afraid I can't tell you how to live your life. I don't want to tell you how to live your life, for goodness sake. No, indeed. Anyway, Jamie, unions, unions everywhere. Yeah, all right, McCarthy. Over the last few casts, we've reported on unionisation efforts uh, across the tabletop gaming sphere, uh, one of them most notably by the employees of Card Kingdom, based in Seattle, Washington, the United States. Now, there's another one. Mox Boarding House Bellevue a restaurant and gaming shop in Bellevue, Washington, in the United States, has sent an open letter to Car Kingdom bosses announcing their intent to register as a union, the BMOW, Bellevue Mox Organised Workers, and asked the owners for recognition. From their open letter, We sincerely believe that gaming is, and must be, a campfire for all, a warmth and joy to be shared and celebrated. As it stands, however... We do not feel a party to the warmth and protection of the campfire. Poor retention of staff at the ground level shows us that this is universal across all divisions of the company. We find ourselves crowded together, splitting cramped apartments, working second jobs and skipping meals just to barely make rent. Stories of being harassed, cornered and harshly judged by management have become normal. In our attempts to resolve these issues... If our attempts aren't just outright ignored, we encounter stonewall tactics and numerous other forms of delays or denial. Now they're seeking, amongst other things, a genuine Seattle metro living wage for all positions, transparency, clarity and intention in the policy and procedure, including and especially the employee review process, and strong protection and enforcement of meal and rest periods, including an improved system of table coverage to allow for and encourage front of house meal breaks. Now, they asked for the Card Kingdom bosses to voluntarily recognise their union before 24th of June, which is the date of recording. Otherwise, they would have no choice but to go ahead and file. Now, with Card Kingdom Union being set up, and we discussed it in episodes 97 and 98, doesn't look like Card Kingdom as a company is particularly rosy right now. And I speak for Ian and myself when I say solidarity with BMOW, Solidarity with Card Kingdom Union. The bosses need you more than you need them sometimes. And you should, you'd be entitled to the labour and work that you create. 
Just a quick update before we move on to the rest of the news. The Kinderspiel des Jahres has been announced as the Children's Game of the Year, and that was Magic Mountain from Jens Peter Schillemann and Bernhard Werber from Amigo Games. Congratulations. Well done. It's our sad duty to report that British game designer Maureen Heron has died. I have to admit, I didn't know who Maureen Heron was until this announcement, but looking into it for writing up for the podcast, I mean, funnily enough, she's pretty brilliant. Over the course of her life, she developed over 60 board, dice, word, and trivia games, including one Ian knows quite well called Continuo. She was also an international bridge player and met her husband, Alan Heron, through the game. He was a bridge correspondent for the UK newspaper, The Independent. Because newspapers, I don't, don't think they still do, but they used to publish chess, poker, and bridge. Or definitely chess and bridge puzzles yeah. in their uh, in, you know, daily editions. Diagnosed with cancer in 1984, she used her fellow patients as playtesters for a game called Chip In that went on to raise £25 million for the Royal Marsden Hospital, the world's first specialist cancer hospital. Our thoughts are with Maureen's family at this difficult time. And Maureen, thank you. You've left us a brilliant legacy. Crowdfunding is no stranger to the world of fraud and shysters. We have reported many times on attempts, some successful, to plagiarise other people's work, and it seems like a new project currently on Kickstarter is doing just that. The Dragonweight Kickstarter currently running has admitted that it is a re-implementation of a game called Don't Mess With Cthulhu. In their FAQ, there is an answer to the question, how did you come up with Dragonweight? Which they start replying to by saying... Five years ago, one of us played Don't Mess With Cthulhu. She shared the game with us by using face cards. We loved it, but were unable to find a copy to play with. This game had the same basic mechanics that Dragonwake now has. This has rather unsurprisingly raised some eyebrows from many amongst the tabletop gaming community, not least of which is a person identifying themselves as Tak of Japan Brand, an agent for Yusuke Seto, the designer of Don't Mess With Cthulhu. In a post on BoardGameGeek, Tack explains that Don't Mess With Cthulhu is the English implementation of a game called Time Bomb by Mr. Sato. At the moment, Indie Board and Cards have the right to that game, having paid for them in 2021. Tack goes on to say that Dragonwake is effectively a pirated version of their intellectual property. It seems though that this has not deterred Dragonwake and the project was successfully funded today, the day of recording, on the 24th of June. Re-implementations of games are fine. That's inevitability. It's bound to happen at some point. And designers obviously take inspiration from things they've played. But stomping on people's legal rights is definitely not. And straight up admitting that it's basically plagiarism just seems a bit of a strong take. It's not a strong take. I, it's, it's, sorry, it's not a strong take. It's bloody bold. Yeah. I mean, whether... I mean, the game has now funded, so they've got the money or about to have the money if no one's objected to it so whether the game will actually come to fruition or not will remains to be seen and yeah i wonder if we'll start to see more of this with more crowdfunding platforms with backer kit now there with more places to to go to crowdfund your game will we see more of this kind of blatant copying don't steal other people's ideas folks yeah have your own there's plenty of plenty of ideas to to have still exactly anyway jamie get on your financial pants and Get behind the mic. Games Workshop, purveyors of polyester cement, paint, and plastic upon plastic, have their annual financial report coming out at the end of July. But the early figures they released show, well, some very interesting financial stats. 
Revenue this year is £385 million, up 9% on last year's £353 million. £10 million have been paid to staff in profit share payments, which are paid in ca- according to Games Workshop's website, paid in cash on an equal basis to each member of staff. Now, this is down from last year's £13 million paid to staff. However, the dividends, which is the share price to each shareholder, stayed at £77 million, which equates to about 235 pence per share. Now, this was shared on our Discord, and Craig, thank you to Craig, uh, pointed out could be Total War Warhammer 3 doing a very good job uh, on the video gaming front, but also Henry Cavill going on Graham Norton, which we talked about, and being an unabashed Warhammer fan, I think fueling some uh, some great interest among among people. Now, Games Workshop has a press room section of their website, which prominently features its stock price. Now, after a high on the 4th of January of 10,090, it's currently sitting at the close of day on Friday at 6,385. Now, that's a figure they haven't had since the 19th of May 2020, which I'm sure you can all remember was during the first lockdown. I don't want to say the bubble has begun to burst slightly for Games Workshop, but I think it's more an indication of, for example, the rise in cost of living. Yeah, I mean, share prices aren't necessarily an indication of a company's health or what investors and the stock market thinks about the company. So, yeah, it is interesting to see them sort of down to sort of almost pre-pandemic levels again after riding high over the last couple of years. Uh, We'll see what that means for Games Workshop in the long term, but certainly the money's still coming in. They still seem to be making a a large number of games. They're getting into more computer games and TV and all sorts. So, yeah, still going strong. And another thing that's still going strong are lovely patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast, especially our executive producers, James Naylor and Sean Newman. We'll link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. If you'd like to join them, you can join up to our patron for only $1 a month. Uh, that gives you exclusive access to an extended version of the main cast, uh, a little bit behind the scenes document that we put out each month and some other bits and pieces as they come uh, you can also support us on our uh, website there's a variety of companies that have joined up with us for affiliate links including metallic dice games where you can get some nice metal dice and i might have a new one soon but more about that on the next cast hopefully uh, we'd also just like to remind you that tabletop scotland is on the horizon jamie and i are both attending we're really looking forward to it it's going to be the 27th and 28th of august in the jurors center in perth scotland uh, we are footloose and fancy free we don't really have any commitments so we're just going to be cruising around the con and playing a lot of games i hope and maybe having a the odd beer or two as well, well. At the very least, entirely just po- chatting with possible. people, chatting with people, Chat- and seeing people that we maybe haven't seen in the flesh, as it were, for well over two years. Now, as you read this, the summer holidays will have started for Glasgow schools, at least. Well. I'm not. I'm doing uh, summer club work, which is more than my term time work, actually. And summer camps are a big thing, mainly in America, but obviously summer programs here are still big. But here's one you might not have expected for money-minded children. The online camp. Monopoly's Money Matters Financial Literary Camp. It's a week-long camp which will give, 
and I'm quoting here, learners the chance to develop tools for lifetime financial success while playing the world's favorite board game. Citation needed. Through interactive, expert-led lessons and monopoly-based simulations, campers will learn budgeting and personal finance, marketing and entrepreneurship, and economics and business strategy, all through a gamified experience that's fun from the moment campers pass go. Each day, an expert instructor will lead campers through interactive activities, discussions, and monopoly simulations as they master a new financial topic. Campers will develop their own monopoly house rules, properties, cards, and strategies to put that newfound knowledge to use. I mean, I I was being jovial. I, I really don't know what to say on that. Just basically letting the uh, letting the press release there speak for itself. Now, the, the website does go into, you know, what happens during the week and each day, what you split into. Now, maybe I'm reading this one particular way. Imagine that. But it seems to suggest that, you know, these kids learning that the financial system is is just a game and all they need to do is create their own house rules and the system will bend in their favour. I am not in favour of that. The financial system is already jank. And unless you want a repeat of 2008, 2009, uh, a once-in-a-lifetime economic crash, which I don't know how far we off the next one. I'm angry now, Ian. I'm sorry. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You're absolutely welcome over to our Discord, where we have lots of discussions about latest news topics, games, and general chit-chat. And you can email us at giantbrainuk at gmail.com with anything you'd like us to feature in the cast or just any comments you have, and we'll read those out on the cast. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye for now. No pass around.